This is the Green Girl and Doc podcast. The information discussed in these podcasts is not a substitute for your own physician. Please always seek a medical professional. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of the Girl Gone Green podcast. I'm so excited you're here and that you're tuning in. Today I have a very special guest on with me. Her name is Justine Stenger. Justine is a certified GAPS practitioner. She's also a certified gluten practitioner. She completed her CME credits through the Academy of Pediatric Special Needs and joined the Weston Price Foundation. She completed her education in functional medicine as well through the Institute of Functional Medicine, and she's currently working on her master's in human nutrition and functional medicine. Her mantra and her, her quote that she has on her website, which I love, is, let food be thy medicine. And I just love that. I love her whole mission, philosophy on using food to heal your body because food is so powerful. And she did just such an amazing job in this podcast of giving nuggets and wisdom and tips. And I'm just so honored that she would come on and share all of her knowledge. So let's get to it. Okay, so I wanted to welcome Justine on today. How are you? I'm good. Thank you, Susie. Thank you so much for having me today. Definitely. I am so excited to have you here, and I'm glad that we finally made it happen. Um, So I kind of want to just dive right in because Justine has so much to share. She's a wealth of knowledge um, just from her Instagram and her website, and she's gone to school and she knows her stuff. So I kind of wanted her first just to tell a little bit about herself and her background and how she got started um, into what she's doing today. So take it away. Okay. Hopefully this isn't too long. I feel like my my history goes back a long ways. But my interest in cooking really and baking generally and just generally spending time in the kitchen showed up really early on. I was really close to my grandma, who I used to watch wide-eyed as she made beautiful creations in the kitchen. And she prepared everything from scratch, making homemade noodles, potato pancakes, chicken paprikash, stroganoff, sauerkraut, and all kinds of other traditional foods. And I would get right up beside her and put on my babushka, just like she wore, and really actively participate in as many tasks as she would allow. And my interest in health and nutrition surfaced later on. So I was very active in the basketball world, uh, playing all year round, actually, for provincial teams and eventually playing university basketball for the University of Alberta in Edmonton. So cool. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it seems like a lifetime ago. But in my early 20s, I struggled with a serious case of exercise-induced bulimia that actually led to the end of my basketball career and a whole other host, uh, a whole host of other health problems. But ultimately, that struggle is really the reason why I'm where I am today. So after seeing dozens of doctors who simply pulled out a prescription pad to prescribe antidepressants, I actually started seeing an amazing doctor that my mom was seeing, and his name was Dr. Stephen Jenis. And he's actually known all over the world now for his work in environmental medicine. He is an amazing doctor and just an incredible human being. And Dr. Janice is really the one that I give credit to for directing me down the path that has led me to where I am today. So I was so fascinated by his work and his research and how he first used food as medicine. Uh, His very first recommendation to me were dietary recommendations. 
And when I got a taste of what it was like to nourish myself instead of being hyper-focused on macronutrients and calories and scared of food, I really experienced health improvements that made me look at food completely differently. And I knew studying nutrition and learning about how I could use food as medicine was my calling. I became ravenous to learn about how, about how much I could learn about nutrition, about traditional ways of eating, traditional food preparation, and so much more. So after completing an undergrad in human ecology and nutrition food science from the University of Alberta in the Faculty of Ed- Education, then I decided to go to continue my education. So I moved to Boulder, Colorado and attended Bowman College to learn about holistic nutrition and I completed the therapeutic chef program and certification there. And when I returned home, I continued taking any courses that I could get my hands on. I took a bunch of courses for diets uh, for autism, autoimmune disease, and cancer. And in 2015, I started the functional medicine training program through IFM and completed that in October of last year, actually. And now I'm currently completing a few medical courses before starting my master's in human nutrition and functional medicine through the University of Western States. So as you can see, I can't get enough of this stuff. I'm totally <laughs> I love <it>. hooked. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was really long-winded, but No, not at all. Trust me. <laughs> I have had long-winded people on. That wasn't long-winded. <laughs> no, that was so good. And I love, I love how you talked about real food and how not being scared of food anymore because I feel like a lot of people you know they they're so scared and crippled and they have to like calorie count and they're so worried about just eating and it's not enjoyable and I think when you have real food and you have the right mindset food is so enjoyable and it should be um it doesn't have to be scary at all and I and I think that kind of leads into my next question which is what is your philosophy um, on like feeding your body whole food? Because you're so passionate about it. I mean, it just comes through and just all all that you do, all the work that you do and, and the recipes. Um, like what kind of like, I don't know, gets you up in the morning doing this every day and just your, I guess, your mindset on it? Well, thank you again for the compliment. And yes, I am very, very passionate about it. Sometimes I feel too much. <laughs> but... I should state that I am also a total foodie and I believe that food should be delicious as well and thoroughly enjoyed in a relaxed state and shared with people that you love. So I think a lot of times when people are first introduced to a diet and I'm using air quotes, they immediately think restriction and I do believe that the most delicious form of food is always in its natural unadulterated state. And we've introduced so many chemicals and artificial foods into our food system uh, that many people who eat these forms of artificial foods aren't even able to enjoy the tastes and smells and textures of whole, unadulterated food. So my goal is just get to get people back to eating whole foods in the form that they were intended for us to eat. So I encourage my clients to buy only food in the, full, the whole form, nothing from a package. The aim is to avoid anything with a barcode with the exception of fats and oils. I try to purchase as much locally grown produce and animal protein as possible just to decrease that carbon footprint and also just really to support the local farms around here in Calgary. So I do live in Calgary, Alberta, so it gets a bit tricky during the winter months to stick to only local, but the important piece is to do the best you can. 
Definitely. as much as you can. So I believe with all my heart that food is medicine. And I read on a daily basis, I read articles proving that. And I'm, again, always fascinated by, I think that there's a food on this planet for every single ailment. And we just need to incorporate that into our dietary regime on a daily basis. So I... I'm also continually amazed by the power of food, that it has to give our bodies what it needs to heal. Um, it just truly breaks my heart to see how broken our food system is. And it's my passion and my mission to really help change it back to what it was intended to be. So in the process, I, I feel a strong sense of responsibility to teach and live and breathe what I teach. Definitely. And you do a great job. I. I think it's contagious when people are so excited about something, whether it's food or whatever they're doing. I think that can rub off on people and, you know, you can show them that it can be so good. I mean, it doesn't have to come from a package, like you said, or it doesn't have to be processed um, to taste good. And I think people have lost that art of just, like you said, enjoying food, sitting down with, you know, people that you love and just nourishing your body with like true nutrients. Um, right. It's like a lost art. <laughs> yeah. So. And, and I do believe that there is so much nourishment just in the food preparation as well. So that's why I try to steer people away from buying packaged foods. I know my field of work is doing food preparation for people. So I'm <laughs> grateful that there are people that want that resource. But I just think that we need to get back in the kitchen and we need to start making things ourselves from scratch and, you know, being able to learn about new flavors and textures and that I think would develop a love of cooking and food in every individual. Definitely. No, that's so good. Um, okay. So since you do cook for people, that's your job. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. What can you explain what AIP is and why someone might want to adhere to an eating plan like that? Um, or even some people might be listening and think, I don't even know what AIP means, but I've seen it before, you know, on Instagram or a web website or whatever. Right. So the AIP diet is just the autoimmune protocol. So it's really just another form of an elimination diet. So there are many el elimination diets that one can um, embark on depending on the symptoms that they're dealing with. So the main foods that are eliminated on the AIP diet are the same foods that someone who is following a strict paleo diet would eliminate. So that's all grains, all legumes, dairy, corn, sugar, and vegetable oils. And then the autoimmune pro protocol just takes that a step above and we'll take out a few other additional foods that can be problematic for individuals with autoimmune disease. So these are foods like nuts and eggs, nightshade vegetables, so your eggplant, your potatoes, your tomatoes, your peppers, your goji berries, and ashwagandha is also a nightshade as well, and any spices that are derived from nightshade vegetables. So it can be a little bit tricky initially until you can wrap your head around it. But these foods contain um, saponins and lectins that can damage the gut lining, as well as interfere with some nutrient absorption. So what I try to have all my clients focus on is all the amazing nutrient-dense foods that they can include. So I really try to take the focus off of the elimination foods and just encourage them to eat lots of dark leafy vegetables, roots and tubers, healing fats, all cuts 
and a variety of animal protein, including organ meats, always emphasizing grass-fed. We include seafood, shellfish, and wild-caught meat. I love if people can get their hands on it. I like to present the diet um, yeah, to my clients in a way that always emphasizes the abundance of the nutrient-dense foods that can be eaten and again we don't want to focus on the elimination foods and I think that when we focus on diets as elimination diets our mindset shifts from healing to deprivation so food is to be savored and enjoyed and at the end of the day its purpose is for healing um, and nourishment and not pleasure definitely no I agree um, what would you say, like, as far as clients who you cook for, maybe who have AIP, do you find that, you know, after being on AIP for several months that they can see an improvement in their diet? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I work with some people that if they would have a tablespoon of rice, they have pain. Wow. Yeah. So significant improvements for sure. That's so awesome. Yeah. Because I've heard a lot about I think AIP is one of the diets that's a little bit like people are still kind of in the dark and aren't completely sure or they see, they think it's even more extreme, you know, than like paleo or, or different things like that. But I feel like right. it, it's really, really good in the long run if you can stick with it. Yeah. And, you know, Susie, I don't encourage people to stick with that diet long term unless they absolutely have to. So you are eliminating a lot of foods that we would want to start to include later on. So Remembering that it's a therapeutic diet, and therapeutic diets should be used therapeutically. And then we, after you've been following the diet for a certain amount of time, and that ranges from you know 60 days to 90 days to sometimes people will follow it a year. And then I will work with them to start introducing one food back at a time. And we do only introduce one food basically per week because you would reintroduce the food on, say, a Monday. You avoid the food on Tuesday, Wednesday, and track for symptoms. Then you would reintroduce the food on a Thursday, avoid the food Friday, Saturday, again, tracking for symptoms. And if you've had no adverse symptoms throughout that entire week, then you can safely reintroduce that food. And so it is quite a rigorous process of reintroduction, but it works really well for people. And then eventually you get to a place where you've really developed a personalized diet that fits well for you. For sure. No, that's that's really good. That's so enlightening, too, because I always thought that you would take the the diet and kind of do it for a longer period of time. I think, too, there's a book on autoimmune. I don't her name's not coming to my head right now, but she it's, it's all a Valentine or Mickey Trescott. Those are kind of two of the big names in the autoimmune world. Yeah, I know that they have blogs, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And podcasts too. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was actually someone that wrote it on um, the thyroid specifically. Um, she has a book. I know Dr. Ben has oh, talked with Isabella her. Oh, Isabella Wentz. Yes. Yeah. Her. Um, her book, uh, my sister has read it several times actually. I still need to read it. But um, just because I've dealt with um, some thyroid things and um, yeah, I just... Her, she, I know she has a protocol in there. I haven't looked at it specifically, but it's just all fascinating. I think um, all because there's so many autoimmune issues now yeah, than there used to be. Um, and so that was, yeah, that's so enlightening. 
Um, okay, so since you cook for people all the time, what are some tips that you could give to the average person who maybe can't afford to hire a chef or, you know, they don't even think they have the time? Um, what are some tips you would give just to be able to, you know, eat real food, whole foods, um, and not have to be in the kitchen all day? Yeah, this is... Is there a, a magic great, answer? <laughs> this is a great question. I get this all the time. And I can really sympathize with people because I know it does take time to be making everything from scratch and using Whole Foods, especially especially just because we live in this society that is so... I mean, everybody's in a time crunch. Right. has an extremely full plate. So my number one recommendation is to always prepare three meals of whatever you're cooking. So... Say you're preparing food for your family on Sunday night. So instead of making dinner just for Sunday night, you're going to make three dinners. Um, So just triple the recipe of whatever you're making so that you have lunch the next day and then also a serving that you can put in the freezer for an emergency meal. So smart. And then I'm a huge advocate of simplicity. So I think that a lot of people think that they need to be making these elaborate meals with you know, these recipes that have lots of ingredients that are often ingredients that are difficult to find. And I just think that if we can get back to eating, you know, the first week on the diet, I usually get people to eat a high quality fatty cut of grass fed meat with three to four cups of steamed vegetables. And they can swap that out with a salad if they want, but it is really simple to make high quality protein Uh, steam some vegetables it takes three or four minutes and then plop that on your dinner plate with some high quality fat and mix in some herbs or spices if you like it you can get dinner on the table in you know less than 10 minutes as long as that the meat the animal protein has been prepared in advance right so that's my go-to and then I also emphasize using a slow cooker or doing a bunch of roasted chicken and shredding it and putting the shredded meat in the freezer so that you can use it for salads or to add to soups, etc. And yeah, I, I work with so many moms that prepare two or three different dishes to appease different members in their family. And Crazy. I, I, know, <laughs> I know I'm not the best person to give recommendations to moms that have kids because I'm single and don't have kids so I'm sure they roll their eyes at me when I say if the kids don't eat what you put on their plates the kids don't eat right (laughs) after a couple of days they will eat what they have on their plate and I mean this has come from witnessing I work with families that follow this philosophy and their kids will eat anything just because they've never given been given any other option so Yes, I agree. (laughs) (laughs) No, and I think especially with the kid part, I know for myself having a three-year-old now, you know, sometimes we might mix things together, but she prefers them to be separated. So it's just more of a matter of like keeping things out when I maybe put the chicken with like the rest of our vegetables we stir fried or whatever. So um, things like that where I don't go out of my way to make her a separate meal. But I think even if you just kind of can, you know, like, I think kids are picky in that way, but I, th- I agree. Like, I think you you really just have to give them what you're you're having, too. And I've, I read somewhere, too, where they said, you know, if you show a kid a food, like, 15 times they see it, then by the 15th time they'll like it. 
Like even right. if at first they say they don't, it's you just have to keep putting it in front of them. And so we kind of have this rule where like she has to try it, even if she doesn't like it, then she doesn't have to eat it, but she has to try it each time. Right. And so. I just I, actually I was just um, studying the other night and reading that our taste buds turn over every thirty days. So wow. I feel I thought so. People just need to stick with it for a month, and then <laughs> they're going to have a new set of tasters. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and I think it's true because when I was younger, I didn't like a lot of vegetables. I mean, there was a lot of things that I didn't, would never eat. And now, you know, I think my palate has changed drastically. So I think you just have, the more you feed it real food, the more you crave that. And and it changes kind of your, yeah, your taste buds. Definitely. So. The other, Susie, the other recommendation too is using a slow cooker. Slow cooker is such an amazing resource for... definitely busy moms and or paws um, depending on who is preparing the meals in the family. So the one thing that I do want to mention with slow cookers is you do want to make sure that you're using one that is lead free. There are a lot of yes. slow cookers on the market that are leaching lead so you definitely don't want to be using one of those. And my favorite one is Miriam's earthen cookware. It's a clay pot but there are also a variety of different options that you can choose from even if you just google lead-free crock pots you should get a good list yeah that's such a good tip I've read read that too and I've seen your the clay ones before um I actually have an instapot which I love I don't know if do you use instant pots or are you guys familiar with them I I don't use one personally I I try not to are the instapots the one that cook food at extremely high temperatures yes yeah (laughs) I try to avoid that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's really nice for um, cooking like shredded chicken or something like that, um, meat in general. Um, but it has a slow, slow cooker function on it, too. And kind of the reason why I got it was because of the – it has a metal – it's not – there's no um, clay. Or there's no – what is the – Ceramic. It's, well, it's the yeah. There's usually a ceramic, or there's some sort of non-stick lining in a lot of them as well. Yeah. So the the Instapot, I believe, is stainless steel. Is it not? Yes. Yeah. Um. So it does have a slow cooker function, so you don't have to cook everything um at high heat. But um, it's just nice to have when you are in a a pinch for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, again, um, that goes back to just doing the best you can. Yes. <laughs> yes, totally. Um, yeah. So what would you say as far as, um, I don't know, like a lot of times people maybe have a diagnosis and they think I just have to live with this. This is like my lot in life. Um, what would you say to people that maybe have that mindset and, you know, just because in your, your business, you've seen firsthand what, you know, real food can do to your body and how it can nourish it and change, you know, a diagnosis or change people's lives for the better. Like, what would you say to them? Well, I think that it's really scary to me when people start to identify with their diagnosis. I hear a lot of people say my rheumatoid arthritis or my Lyme disease and to me, I, I just really hope that people will steer away from identifying with the disease in that manner and just remembering that, well, Lyme disease is, is, we can maybe take out of that equation, but 
a lot of these autoimmune, all autoimmune diseases are just, they're symptoms. It's your body speaking to you and telling you that something is not right. So it's just a matter of rebalancing the body. And that's what I love about functional medicine is getting to the root cause of why this is happening instead of slapping on that label saying that this is your illness or disease and you're going to have this for the rest of your life. And just really encouraging people that this is just your body. First of all, you know, it was probably whispering and then it's talking to you and now it's screaming at you, just letting you know that it needs help. And you just need to give it the help that it needs so that it has the tools to heal. Definitely. I love, I love how you said that. It, it was slightly talking to you and then now it's screaming at you. <laughs> yeah. That's such a good way of putting it because I think – we all sometimes just think that something cropped up immediately when really, you know, it's been like these subtle little things that have gradually built up and now it's like screaming, like you said, mm-hmm. um, and we notice it, but maybe we didn't really notice it as much before. What It didn't stop us as much as, as like the screaming that does now or whatever. So no, that's so good though. And I think people can really take that in hopefully yeah, not hold on to their diagnosis or or whatever, you know, their doctor says. I think sometimes people think whatever the doctor says is what it's going to go. And I yeah. just think that there's always hope. <laughs> there's always, you know, you can always do something. So mm-hmm. No, and we, I mean, we, we hear and see stories of this change all the time. I mean, I was just at the IFM conference reversing cognitive decline with Dr. Bredesen a couple of weeks ago and who I mean his work is um, in, incredible it's mind-blowing to know that Alzheimer's and dementia can be not only prevented but reversed and wow anybody that would go to their I mean I shouldn't say I would say the majority of um, practitioners in the conventional system would basically diagnose that neurological decline as a a death sentence and tell that patient to go home and get their affairs in order because their disease is just going to progressively get worse. And we're learning all the time that this is not the case. The body can heal. We need to give the body what it needs to heal and it can do the job of healing. Definitely. Yeah, that's so, so great. Um, Okay, so I kind of want to transition into... Um, pregnancy and women that want to get pregnant because I think it's such a, a wide topic and you know a lot of times people don't realize that just you know they think focus on when I get pregnant that's when I'll start eating good and um, taking care of my body when really it should start you know long before that so what would you um, maybe say or tips that you would give to women who want to get pregnant or um, maybe can't get pregnant um, like, what would you suggest? Well, I actually have my very best friend was, well, first of all, I'll, I'll tell my story after. So my goal is to catch women two years prior to getting pregnant to start preparing their bodies for supporting a healthy baby. Uh, the dietary principles are very similar to the principles that I teach to all my clients. So it's basically a personalized paleo template with nine to 12 servings of vegetables every day and a couple of servings of fruit are included in that nine to 12 servings. 
I put a lot of focus on organically raised organ meats, uh, grass-fed organ meats, slow-cooked soups and stews made with bone broth. And I actually would like those women drinking bone broth on a daily basis, even if they're just drinking it as tea. And lots and lots of uncooked leafy greens. Healthy fats with a huge emphasis on grass-fed ghee. So traditionally, ghee has been used as a fertility food. So it's one of my main recommendations. So cool. Yeah. So mixing ghee in tea or in if they're doing a coffee in the morning. Traditionally, it was actually used, it was mixed in tea. So that is how I recommend it to people. Uh, Aside From dietary recommendations, we really work on getting rid of chemicals and toxins in the home and products that are used on the body, filtering water, air, etc. That's so good. Um, What's your story? I want to hear your story about. Well, I just, I mean, their infertility, it breaks my heart to, I feel I hear about another woman that is unable to get pregnant almost on a daily basis now. For sure. And I remember I was telling a friend the other day that I remember hearing my mom talk about uh, somebody that she knew that was unable to get pregnant when I was a little girl. And I just remember that conversation being so devastating. Like these women could not understand why this woman wasn't able to have a baby because it was so uncommon. And that was 25 years, 25, maybe 30 years ago. And now today we have, I think the last statistic that I heard was 30 or 40% of women are struggling with fertility. So again, I think it's just getting to the root of the problem, seeing a functional medicine practitioner that can help you really figure out what is causing your body to be in the state that it's saying it's not safe for us to grow a baby. And my best friend went through the conventional system. Originally, she was diagnosed with PCOS. And she actually, she had actually thought that she wasn't, she didn't want kids. And when she finally decided that they did want to have kids, then they tried for a couple years and she was unable to get pregnant and then got the PCOS diagnosis. And I work with a a wonderful functional medicine doctor here in Calgary who is a good friend of mine and I encouraged her to go see this doctor and I said she'll be able to help you you just need to commit to seeing her and following her plan and within six months she was pregnant and she has a beautiful healthy baby now that's almost a year old so yeah I just that was you know a, a very an example that was so close to my heart and close to home that I feel like if this is how many women out there get a diagnosis of PCOS and go home thinking that they're unable, they're not going to be able to have babies. And again, it, it's just a symptom figuring out the why behind it. Yes, for sure. No, that's so encouraging. I hope that people listening really take that too. If they know someone or if they've struggled with with having kids themselves, I know it can be really heartbreaking and um, just, you know, really devastating. I think every woman, if they, you know, if they do want to have a, a kid, it's like something so deep within them and for it not to happen can be really heartbreaking. But I think that there's so much more that we can do that we haven't, you know, people don't know about or they don't, you know, haven't really researched or, or even the information hasn't been available to them. Um, right. But I think that 
you know, there's so much hope in that. And yeah, I just, it gets me excited because I think, you know, just that's like such a miracle to be able to, you know, you, you get a diagnosis and you're not able to um, have a baby and then you end up conceiving and this miracle, this little life. And it's just so cool how, yeah. you know, real health is, it's real and it's, it's such a big deal. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's really cool to see how she's with her story now, how many other women she can impact right definitely so i mean everything happens for a reason i'm such a strong believer in that definitely no that's so good um are there any other tips that you would share or i feel like there's so many things i want to ask you now (laughs) it's like once you i start talking to someone you're like okay you don't use an instafat that's good to know like well again i don't want yeah i don't want to be blacklisted from anybody no no i just Again, I really try to stick to traditional preparation of food. That's so and interesting. So yeah. I try to avoid that blaring high heat as much as possible. Definitely. No, and I think it's, I love learning about how other people live and how they, you know, I'd always, I learn so much and can take it and use it in my own house. So, yeah, I think it, you know, you're the expert, <laughs> so I'm just well, I mean, you. if it saves again, it's just doing the best you can. Because if it's saving a family, you know, if it's a family that's going to go grab McDonald's on the way home from work or go home and for sure, put, you know, their grass-fed beef in the Instapot, I would say, like, I'd be cheering for the Instapot. <laughs> no, totally, and I and I won't get rid of mine for sure. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I think it's so you know, it's good to know that like, I mean, I think there's always like an optimal way, like. I even my naturopathic doctor always says that like there's an optimal way of doing it like optimal health but obviously there's ways where you just sometimes have to do it this way because right now in your life this is the only way it's going to happen and it's better yeah. than the you know alternative but um yeah and I, I kind of wanted to touch on too I thought it was really good how you were talking about the tips for prepping because I think for me too just you know whenever you get busy and you have kids like the biggest thing like you were mentioning to prep beforehand, like three meals. I thought that was so good because a lot of times people think that, you know, they're going to have time or they have time set aside, but things always come up or happen. And it's yeah. always so smart to have something in the freezer that you've already fixed. I mean, I know so many times for me or just having, you know, veggies that you've already chopped up or whatever it is. So you don't have to think about like that extra 15 or 20 minutes that it's going to take you to you know, prep and chop and all that. But yeah, it's just and even so good. just with, I mean, for even for myself, I'll, you know, I do, I mean, when I make soup, I, the German and Hungarian, my grandma comes out of me when I'm doing food preparation. She was always like such a feeder, like no one ever had enough food. And I, I'm not the best weight loss nutritionist because I <laughs> I could take after her in that aspect I'm always like oh have more like there's so much food but when I make soup or anything I do you know often I'll make 12 liters of soup wow. and put it in a mason jar and you know mason jars and put them in the freezer and then you have soup to give to somebody when they're in the hospital and they're sick or you know just I, I love giving food as gifts too just because I i think that it's so valuable for other people to be gifted uh, healing nutrient-dense food. So, 
I just think for families too, it doesn't take that much longer to peel another five or six yams and throw it in the pot to make that extra amount of soup or throw in an extra couple of pounds of beef stew so that you have an additional meal or two of stew in the freezer. So no, yeah, for sure. I think that's great. And it, especially when you put it like that, it it really is true. Like you're already going through the whole process. You might as well just add a couple more things to make it go a little longer. Yeah, for sure. No, that's great. Um, are there, is there anything else that you would want to add or, um, anything else you want to share? I think that, I think that's it. I just really want to encourage everybody to do the best that they can to find a local farm so that they can get some really high quality grass fed animal protein for their families to eat. And yeah, just start making everything from scratch because there's a whole new world out there of feeling amazing when you're eating food that is just nourishing every cell in your body. Definitely. No, that's so good. Well, I want people to know too, um, you do take clients over Skype or call if they wanted to have a consultation with you. So can you let people know where they could contact you? Oh, sure. So my website is gingerhealingfoods.com and ginger is with a J and there's a contact form that you can fill out there and it'll go directly to my email. Awesome. And yeah. Perfect. Yeah. And I have, I'll have all the information too in the blog post, um, where I post the podcast on my blog. So you guys can go there and find all about Justine too, and what she does, um, and how she's like changing people's lives with food. You guys, it's so awesome. It's just real food. That's all. It's so crazy. I know it's a weird concept for some people, but it's medicine. So, um, thank you so much, Susie. Yes. And thanks for being on. And as always, you guys, thanks for listening and for coming each week. I hope that you just were able to grab some really great nuggets of wisdom. And if you haven't subscribed, be sure to subscribe on my blog homepage, um, girlgonegreen.com. That's with a G-U-R-L. You can also subscribe on iTunes by typing in Girl Gone Green and it will pop up. So I hope you guys have a great week and I will see you next time. Bye.